Well, my brothers and sisters, I pray that through the intercession of Mary, God would give me the grace and the ability to speak about this wonderful and important mystery that we celebrate today. You know, there's a lot actually in common uh, between the Assumption and Easter Sunday, okay? Because on Easter Sunday, we celebrate the definitive victory of God's power of love over death through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But... For the assumption, today what we celebrate is God's power of love over death through the assumption of Mary. Okay? So there's really only, as Catholics, we believe there's only two human beings who have definitively triumphed over death and whose bodies are joined to their souls, alive and completely deathless, living with an indestructible life, never to die again. That is Jesus and his mother Mary. Okay, many people maybe don't fully realize that. We believe Mary is risen from the grave, just like Jesus. So she's the only other person that this holds true for, the only other human being that this holds true for apart from Jesus. So we kind of have a little bit of a kind of an Easter joy that we are celebrating. Also today, with the you can hear the word itself, an assumption, what are we talking about here? Well, we have Jesus' ascension into heaven, okay? And that means that Jesus, he's kind of the, uh, as it were, the active agent in that transition from earth to heaven. He's the one that affects his, his movements up to heaven. Whereas Mary, she is a passive, uh, plays a passive role in that. She doesn't ascend to heaven. She is assumed. To heaven by the power of her son, Jesus. And so it's really the power of Jesus' resurrection that's verified in Mary and that has caused her to be assumed into heaven. My brothers and sisters, this is what our hope as Christians is grounded in. Okay, so this homily today is a homily about hope, and I preach about hope a lot, but I feel that you can never preach about it enough. There's so much to it, and it's so important to have hope. Okay, and so with with Jesus, we have uh, you know we have hope because of his resurrection from the dead. But someone might say this: they might say, "Well, you know, yeah, Jesus is risen from the dead, but big whoop, he's God; he can do that." What about me? Okay, what about me? I'm not God. Am I going to be raised from the dead? Okay, so we might think that, right? And so therefore, Mary comes into the picture, and God gives us the mystery of the assumption, because Mary, like us, is not God, and yet the power of the resurrection, the power of Jesus' resurrection, okay, the power of Jesus' resurrection life over death is verified in Mary. And so that gives us the assurance it's going to be verified in us, too. Okay, so Mary, that's why we refer to her in our devotional tradition as our life, our sweetness, and our hope. Mary is our hope, okay? Because in her, we see someone that's just like us, a member of the church. She's the first member of the church, okay? Nonetheless, she's a member of the church just like us. And yet, in her is verified the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And she lives with a deathless life. And she's there to intercede for us and to be there for us and to 
to bring our concerns and our prayers to God, okay, and to pray to God on our behalf for us. So this is a really awesome and joyful and hope-filled feast that we celebrate today. Hope is so important, my brothers and sisters, and hope lives in the heart of the church. Mary lives in the heart of the church. Hope lives in the heart of the church. Mary lives in the heart. They're in the same place. They're right at the center of the church. I love the baptismal rite. When we do baptisms, the priest will say to the parents or the guardians, and they'll say, what do you ask of God's church on behalf of so-and-so, on behalf of this child? Now, the standard response is baptism, okay? But also, there's an alternative response, which I like quite a bit. And it's faith. Isn't that neat? What do you ask of God's church on behalf of so-and-so? We ask for faith. Because faith dwells in the heart of the church. Faith is a spiritual gift that's given to us through baptism. Okay, And even though the child, because the child has an undeveloped uh, reason, can't exercise faith, Nonetheless, through baptism, the child is given that gift and it resides hidden in the heart of the child. So as the child grows up, it's the parent's job to basically just cultivate what's there already, that gift of faith that's in the heart of the child. But you know what else is given through baptism is hope. Okay, Hope, along with faith, is imparted to the heart of the child through the sacrament of baptism. So it's not part of the ritual, but it would be theologically correct if, the person, the priest were to say, what do you ask of God's church? And the parents were to say, hope, hope, my brothers and sisters, along with faith and love, dwells in the heart of the church. This is what we as Catholics have to give to the world. And we have also Mary. She's the embodiment of these virtues, and especially of the virtue of hope. And that's what we celebrate when we look to her assumption today. So we see this connection between Jesus' ascension into heaven and Mary's assumption. And in our first reading tonight, we heard about this man-child who was born and the, this dragon was about to devour the man-child. Okay, that's all symb symbolism of the devil's attempt to thwart Jesus' mission on the earth. Okay, and he wasn't successful. And the man-child is caught up to God's throne. And from there, he rules the nations. Jesus is victorious over death. Jesus, risen from the dead, is, fulfills all the promises that the Old Testament prophets spoke about King David. You know, they said, God has promised to King David that one of his sons would sit upon his throne forever. That promise is fulfilled in Jesus. He is ruling. He is king. There's nothing that can stop the advance of his kingdom. Okay, And Mary is the prime example. Her assumption into heaven is the prime example of how nothing can stop Jesus. <clears throat> we see as well in our second reading from St. Paul, and he talks about how Jesus is at the right hand of God, and he's in this process of putting all his enemies under his feet. Okay, And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And we know that he's going to be victorious over death. The death that hangs over the whole world and is, that's destined, each one of us is destined for. 
Okay? That self-same death is the last enemy, and Jesus will overcome it, and we know it because of Mary. Because of Mary. You know, if you look at this little statue here, just this is going to tie in on a little bit later. What's Mary stepping on? Snake. Snake. Okay, just keep that in mind, all right? All right, so I've got a little little illustration here about hope. Um, maybe some of you know, maybe the people the, at, uh, in Clyde and Lyons know this about me, is that I'm a busy guy. I'm riding all, driving all around here, so I really don't have a lot of time to read, unfortunately. I used to, back in my days before I was a priest, I read a lot. Now I don't have time just to read, so I listen to audiobooks, okay, as I drive in the car. So the most recent audiobook I'm listening to right now is called Hillbilly Elegy, okay? And Hillbilly Elegy, is a, it's a very interesting book. It's a biography written by a very young guy. He's only 35 when he wrote it. And uh, he is speaking kind of on behalf of poor, rural, white, working-class people in, like, the Appalachian region, okay? And it was a book that got a lot of attention in the, in the previous uh, presidential campaign because this kind of, this people group in America, in a certain sense, is kind of forgotten about. There's not a lot of attention paid, okay? But this is the people group that really kind of voted President Trump into office. And so, you know, this book got a lot of attention because he basically, when he speaks about his own life, you really get an understanding of where these people are coming from and what the problems they, they, they have to face and what they're dealing with. And unfortunately, there's a lot of very serious poverty. This is in Kentucky, and then his grandparents moved to Ohio, and there's a lot of transplants from Appalachian people from Kentucky to Ohio, so forth and so on. But there's a lot of dysfunction in these people's families and a lot of drug abuse, okay? As we know, what's the main drug problem in America right now is, is the opioid crisis, okay? And this young man's mother was a heroin addict, okay? So he had to be subjected, subjected to a whole string of, you know, drama after drama after drama of his mother's drug problems and then boyfriends coming in and out of the house like a revolving door. So he never had that stable, you know, father figure in his life. And he had to deal with his mom. And it was uh, very, very destabilizing. And people like this gentleman, his name is J.D. Vance, people like this this guy who grew up in that situation, what they, they often, they have no hope. They are totally subject to despair because of their experience. They're not, something happens that looks like it's going to be good and it doesn't happen. It falls through. And when that happens over and over and over again, you get this experience of failure. You build up a memory bank of despair and you say, I'm helpless, forget about it. And then you just turn to totally fruitless endeavors and get yourself in a lot of problems because you don't really believe that anything can be better for you. Because you've lost hope and you're totally embroiled in despair. So that could have been the fate of this young man. But his saving grace was his, was his grandmother. His grandmother was this really, really tough lady. And whenever things got really hard, especially in his high school years, because his freshman year he was about to drop out of high school, his grades are so bad. And then his sophomore year, when the drama got too intense, he went and he lived with his grandmother. And his grandmother provided a stable environment for him, okay, where he could actually have some peace and concentrate on his homework and his studies and because he's a really smart guy. And so he started getting good grades. And every other year of his high school experience was like that. It would start off in his mother's house, lots of drama, and then he'd go to his grandmother's house. 
And his grandmother told him constantly, you can do it. You can make something of yourself. Okay, when all he had in his life were examples of failure, his grandmother kept, and she was this really tough lady. She was a kind of a gun-toting hillbilly. So like they said that when she died, they went into her house and they found nothing less than 12 guns that were loaded and hidden in different places. Okay, so she was like this really tough hillbilly grandmother. But she was his saving grace. She kept telling him he can do it. She was in his corner. And you know what? He did. He got really good grades. He went off and he felt like, I'm not quite ready for college. And so he went to the Marines. Okay, and the Marines really helped him as well. And then he went to Ohio State. And then he went, and then he got a a law degree in Harvard. Okay, and right now he's dedicating his life to setting up a nonprofit organization that helps with opioid, the opioid problem. And he's probably at some point, I bet you he'll run for politics or whatever. But here's a guy who could have despaired. But instead, he found hope. My brothers and sisters, this is a great, as I listen to this book, I think to myself, this is a great example of what we have in Mary. She is that tough maternal figure in our corner who's rooting for us. She's a source of our hope. You know, the collective memory of humanity is nothing but despair because all we have experience of is death. That's it. It looks like death is stronger than anything else. Okay, But in the church, we have a new collective memory. We have the memory of Jesus' resurrection. We have the memory of Mary's assumption. That's what the memory of the church holds in its, in its heart. And when we live in the heart of the church, we live there with Jesus risen from the dead. We live there for, with Mary assumed into heaven. And we have hope. We can forget about all those bad memories okay, that have plagued humanity from its beginning, for thousands and thousands of years. And we can have hope that we're not going to be losers, we're not going to be defeated by death, that we're going to be victorious, and that nothing can stop the power of Jesus Christ and His, and His resurrection power from the dead. So my brothers and sisters, let's stay close to Mary. You see that serpent that's under her foot? Okay. In our first reading, it talks about how Jesus is and Mary are in a battle with the dragon, okay? And Jesus is going to put all his enemies under his feet, we hear from St. Paul. So also is Mary, okay? She has overcome the devil. She has overcome death through her faith, through her obedience, okay? And through her example of hope. She is our hope. Let's stay close to her. Let's stay close to the uh, the heart of the church where Mary is and where we we rejoice in her assumption.